You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. Never mind, never mind. We got Blair Borax who performed that song. It's off her album, uh, Keep Walking. Uh, Blair, I'm very excited to have you on Something Rather Than Nothing. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's always great to talk about art, philosophy, and creating things. And um, in, 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 the music, uh, in the music you create, um, I was telling you before, uh, we went on here. Um, just really love this album. Uh, Keep walking came out uh, this this year, and um, a beautiful photo in in cover art and beautiful music. Um, tell us a little about about uh, Keep Walking. Um, uh, this album. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm glad. I'm glad you've enjoyed it. Um, I released Keep Walking on June 10th, 2022. It was also the day that I quit my job as a teacher. Um, well, really, I had I gave them notice way in advance, but it was my last day of work as a teacher, and I decided to release the album on the same day, which is, which was a maybe a bit crazy thing to do, <laughs> something. Um, <laughs> but that's kind of how I roll. Um, yeah, so it was kind of 
leaping into my music career as far as like that timing goes and the album it's nine songs it's my debut full-length album and I recorded it produced it with James via Groundswell Studios so it was very much a, a collaboration in that way um it's obviously you can hear it's not just me and my guitar he um helped a lot with the arrangements and played most of the instruments. He's a very multi-talented person. uh, And I'm super grateful to to get to work with him. And the content of the album is, uh, a lot of it is um, kind of angry breakup songs, you might say. (laughs) Um, I was processing a breakup, a bad breakup from a worse relationship, I would say. It was a short and not sweet relationship, but it was pretty traumatic, I would say. And so um, I, the way that I process my emotions and the difficult experiences that I might go through is, is through songwriting. And so I was really grateful for that process because I got to take this really painful experience that I had had um, and turn it into an album in less than a year. And so it felt like really empowering um, way to move forward, to keep walking, um, keep my head held high through those difficult experiences and keep moving forward and healing. Yeah. Yeah. And storytelling and song, you know, obviously be a, you know, art and helping, you know, bring that along. That's great to hear. Um, I, I, uh, during my day job, I work with the teachers and, and rep teachers and stuff. And I know how big of a deal teaching is, uh, for teachers. So I guess maybe I'm a little sensitive to the jump <laughs> that, that you made right there. Can, can, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, as far as identity and, you know, I mean, you're always a teacher in a certain sense, but like that, that big step that day going from one to the other. Yeah, um, definitely big leap, big leap of faith. Um, I was in the world of education for eight years before I quit and I kind of, I wasn't really planning to be in that world, but it kind of fell into my lap. And for most of those eight years, for all of them, really, I was in alternative education settings um, and teaching uh, gardening, cooking, nutrition, health and wellness, um, mindfulness and yoga. I was teaching in food banks and Head Start preschools at high school farm education programs and community colleges. Um, The last three years I was at a a K through eight school and I got to teach, I was the health and wellness specialist there. So I taught all those subjects. I got to teach middle school health and sex ed, which was a really gratifying thing to do. Um, and yeah, so it taught me a lot through those eight years. Um, I grew up a lot through that experience, through all those different experiences, but it wasn't really feeding my, my soul anymore. Um, and unfortunately, education is not the most valued field yeah. financially and otherwise. But I just made the decision, like, this is not going to work for me long term, so I better uh, make a different choice. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, it's 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 it's. it's it's such a, it's such a leap, like you said. Um, and it's, it's great to connect with you here and, and, and talk about art and talk about, you know, create creating in the sense of, you know, how it's helped you as well and probably helps others and in, in listening, um, to your music, but, uh, conceptual, conceptual podcast, of course. And, you know, some, some, some philosophy here on that, um, you know, talking about art and I talk about art, uh, you know, on, on the show and thinking about some of the bigger, the bigger ideas and concepts. So uh, you, you take a, a leap into the performing artist, music artist itself, but about art itself, um, the, big, the big question is, uh, what is art for you? Um, what, what do you think art is and uh, what value does it have uh, for you? Um, that's such a good question. It's a big question. I actually... Um, I went to college for visual arts 
and environmental studies, but I was doing all sorts of visual arts um, before I kind of switched my focus to, to music, which was never, never really in the game plan. It just, again, kind of fell into my lap via a, a cheap old free guitar. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think that humans are innately artists. It took me a long time to be able to call myself an artist. Like when I was studying art in college, I struggled with that a lot. And I know that's another question you like to ask. Um, <laughs> jumped, I jumped the gun. Um, but it took me a long time to, to use that, that term to describe myself because I kind of felt like, I don't know, I have to get to a certain place or I have to be good enough. Um, some unnamed place. I don't know what that place is. Yeah, I, still don't, yeah. um, I don't think it actually exists um, because I think humans are innately creative and part of the creative process is for me making meaning out of the human experience and making meaning out of um, this life, this one life that we all live. I think that's, that's the philosophy part for me that it's human to try to make meaning out of, out of things um, and art for me helps me do that. But I was thinking about this question earlier and I decided to Google, like, what's actually the dictionary definition? Like, yeah, what, what is our, what's the right answer? <laughs> yeah, what is the right answer in the Oxford Dictionary? <laughs> um, and they said, art is the expression or application of human creative skill. And I thought that and then they went on to say painting, drawing, that kind of thing. But I think we should broaden our definition of what art is because um, creativity can be so many different forms. Like I think of my dad, who's an engineer, which is not my art at all. Like that's like way over my head and it doesn't connect with me at all. But maybe that's his art of being able to be a creator in that way, an inventor um, in a more like technical sense. Um but there's this quote that I've thought about for many years about, about what is art. It's really not what is art, but I think what is good art. And yeah. it, it says, maybe you've heard this one before, but it says um, art should comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. And I really like that. I like um, that. It's by Cesar A. Cruz. Um, and I think that that's a cool way to look at it because for my art personally, it's all like in the feelings for me, it's all comes from the feelings and I hope to make people or help people feel things. Um, and I write a lot of songs about my experience of being a woman. Um, and I think some of those songs can make hopefully will comfort other women who've had similar experiences and might make like, Make, might make men a little bit uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. The questioning where, like, what their role in that dynamic is. Yeah. <laughs> that yes. No, and I like the on that on that def on that definition because I, the reason why I like I heard you say is because I think um, I I think about art and maybe two very different ways that are captured there. One is like of, of the processing or maybe the connecting to the song or for me, like the metal song to get out, like, you know, all those uh, frustrations and that, and, and that piece. But there's also the piece of piece of the art where folks are comfortable. They are settled. They are prejudiced. They are all these type of things. And, you know, it's within there too, that your comfort, which is, based on some illegitimacy maybe that you have to look at things uh, a different way and have that disruptive piece of it, which we don't think is maybe like healthy, you know, like in the sense of being disrupted, but uh, disrupting folks, making folks think um, when you talk about art and like even asking that question, one of the things I like to do is to kind of um to get into the the thinking of of what that of what the experience is and to try to articulate it with words which is difficult with 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 big questions like this i wanted to ask you uh blair about i i i, I when you're talking about you know taking on the roles like along the lines of identity right so we say you're a teacher and 
then you're an artist, right? And I think we know that there's a lot of pieces, you know, that are that are within both. But when you call, when you start to call yourself an artist, start to call yourself a musician, I know I've gone through the process of when I saw myself as an artist over the last few years of it felt so weird. And then you say it and then kind of you are. What is that magic place that you arrive to and, and you are? That big leap, was did, did that feel like a big leap um, of identity uh, for you and how how you present yourself um, with that with that move? I think so, yeah. I think it, it really wasn't until maybe a couple years ago that I really felt like I could own that, that identity. Um, even when I first started performing live in, um, in public, which the first time I did that was an open mic in 2018. So it's been four years since that first open mic. And even when I did that, I was, I was like shitting my pants scared. I don't know if I'm supposed to curse on this thing. I forgot to Yeah, ask. you're supposed to, particularly if it captures the experience and how you okay. felt. <laughs> shitting my pants scared. Um, and with a lot of self-doubt about like, like who am I to get on that stage and to sing into a mic? Like, what do I have to say that's valuable um, to other people? And it's, I mean, it's a constant, I definitely now say confidently that I can own that, that identity of an artist, but it is a constant dance for me still of stepping into that power of, like I am good enough and worthy. I have something to share. Like what I'm doing is valuable. I'm always like reminding myself of that because it's a hard thing to do. <laughs> it's yeah. not an easy thing to do. Yeah, it's a. It, it feels it feels like a, a big a big risk, right? Um, mm-hmm. The 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 role of art, which is a question I asked that's related to this, I think we might have popped into this. I mean, <laughs> as far as maybe helping or or disrupting um, about the role of, of of art, does does the role of art feel uh, different, or you think it's actually different, um, say now than it's been um, historically? I think just maybe modern events and people reacting to such as the pandemic environmental mm-hmm. crisis, things of this nature. Do you think art's different or may might have a different role now? Or is it kind of, this is our, this is the environment that humans create things generally. Do you think anything's different nowadays? That's a good question. I mean, I think that the world is constantly changing and art is a reflection of the world and what's going on. So I think like the art that gets created is always changing. And I think going back to that idea of like that art disturbs the comfortable and comforts the disturbed. I think who those people are depends on who the artist is and, and what, what they're addressing in their art. Like, so for me that, that might be like comfort women or people who've had similar experiences to me as someone in a, in a female body um, in the world and disturb people who don't have that experience. But if it's somebody else talking about a different issue, a different social issue or a different personal experience, the people who fit in those categories of comforted or disturbed will be different. Um, and yeah, so I think it depends on the person and place and definitely the time, um, too. But yeah, I, it's a good question. My grandmother was an artist and, um, she, she just passed away about a month ago. Actually, oh, she was years yeah. old in four months, 101. Wow. Imagine wow. living that long. Right. Yeah. Um, and she talked about how, um, and I've been really enjoying talking about her and singing about her on stage uh, lately to kind of honor her memory. She talked about how, so she was born in 1921. And when she got a, her first job, maybe it was like 1930 something, right? She said the only options for women were 
to work for the phone company, to be a secretary, or to be a teacher. Those were the career options. Or obviously, yeah. the stay-at-home mom. Uh, that's definitely a job as well. <laughs> um, and she didn't want to do any of that. So she, um, her first job was at a photography studio, and she was she would hand paint color onto black and white photographs. And I just think that that's so amazing to think about um, that time. And yeah. so obviously that's changed because we have color photographs now. But she went on to become an amazing painter and sculptor. Um, and yeah, I think art becomes a reflection of, of the times that we're in and the experience that we're each personally having in the time and place. Yeah, not only to, you know, because of the connection you have, the inspiration for you to, you know, to to do what you would like to do and, and, and kind of to carve that out. I, um, my, uh, I have a, a best friend and his, um, grandma, uh, it's a older Canadian French uh, lady, uh, it, 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 we use the name Meme, right. Um, mm -hmm. but she's my oldest podcast listener. She's 101. Uh, too. Wow. so yeah <laughs> um somebody that's been very important to me and just amazing when you think of you know and she's still got a you know a lot of a lot of pep and vigor and asks me how i'm doing and stuff so shout out oh, to yeah. mamay out there and <laughs> um yeah yeah grandma, grandma yeah, yeah she's out in rhode island um Blair, uh, I'm super excited because you said you would play. Um, you said you would play a song, uh, "Tender Lately," um, yes. and uh, I was wondering if you could do that. I feel pretty special. <laughs> we should all feel pretty special. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I got my guitar here, um, and I wanted to play this this brand new song because um, it kind of goes on with the theme that we we're talking about that. Um, art changes. I think even as a as a musician, um, my art changes from album to album, from song to song, because it is a reflection of what's going on in my life. So whereas the the last album, Keep Walking, was a lot about moving forward from this painful and very specific experience, um, a lot of the songs I've been writing lately, and I've written a bunch over the over the course of this fall. Um, are a bit more about thinking about love and thinking about mortality and death and um, with my grandma's passing up and thinking a lot about that yeah. and with trying to move forward. Um, yeah, so this song's called Tender Lately. Let's see if I can get a little guitar action in this shot here. Can you hear it okay? Yeah, it's wonderful. So this is called Tender Lately and I think I might name the name the album after it too. We'll see. It's the working title for now.
twisted. much Blair that's that's incredible thank you for thank you for playing um tell us about uh tell tell us about the the new stuff coming out um in in folks uh, a lot of listeners here in the Pacific Northwest and uh and Blair's uh, based in 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 Oregon and uh, I know you got a a show this this podcast will come out um, before your show and right around the time of uh, some some music new music. Uh, what's going on in uh, December uh, for you? Yeah, I am going to be releasing a new single um, called "Delight Me" in December. So after I wrote this album, "Keep Walking," there was lots of breakup songs. I wanted to think about um, what I want moving forward, how I want to find love and I wrote this song we'll play it at the end right yeah a song yeah cool um I wrote this song and then I realized that I was still kind of talking about what I what I don't want but it's a bit of a process of elimination <laughs> um but I am releasing that song delight me on December 9th and I'll be playing a couple shows in the Pacific Northwest with Hallie Gregg, who is an artist based in Seattle. We're gonna be playing at the Ballard Homestead in Seattle on December 2nd, and then we'll be playing at Mississippi Studios on December 12th um, with the band. And I don't always, I play lots of solo shows, but um, I get the the band together every couple months, so it's a special occasion for sure. Um, And then I played that song, I'm gonna be starting this month also, or December, to, start recording and producing this next album again with James VS. I'm excited to be able to continue to work with him and um, get new music out in the world again. It's nice to have a new project to focus on and um, soon to share with the world too. Yeah. We really look forward to that. And um, Mississippi studios, uh, just a great, great venue really for people who love sound 
and uh, the acoustics there are really incredible. I've seen a lot of great shows there. Yeah, it really feels like a, a, a treat and honor to to play on that stage where so many artists that I admire have have played before and continue to play. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing, I don't know, uh, Emma Ruth Rundle uh, there. And uh, I know Peter Buck has been over there from REM as far as, you know, some of the recording and things like that, too. So it's a nice stage, Blair. <laughs> I was playing there as soon as Vanessa Carlton. Okay. I was like, yeah. Okay, damn. <laughs> yeah. 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 Incredible. No, that's uh, uh that's great. That's absolutely um absolutely great to hear. I want to ask you uh over towards another big uh conceptual question. Uh title of the podcast, the one the question that's met with giggles and frustration at times, but uh the question formally posed is, why is there something rather than nothing, Blair Borax? It's a it's a great question. I hate it. <laughs> Everybody hates it. I hate it. That's why philosophers historic. That's why they poison Socrates. Philosophers can be annoying. <laughs> they can ask annoying questions. Yeah. So the other kind of teaching role that I have been in is that I was a yoga teacher. So ah. I. Um, yeah, so I was, I did like a 200 hour training and a, and a 300 hour training. And then I taught for three years, um, before I stopped doing that, like in the middle of the pandemic. Um, so I used to spend a lot of time with kind of esoteric questions like that. Um, and as I was thinking about this question, I, yes, frustration, frustration, giggles, mostly frustration, actually. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I think I, in my role as a yoga teacher and when I was deep in the yoga practice and deep in yoga communities, sometimes I would get frustrated by some of those big esoteric questions. Um, especially once I started to see like some hypocrisy happening between what people think or talk about and what people do. And I'm much more concerned with with what people do and how people act in the world. We have one life. We have choice a choice every day about what we do, how we act, how we treat other people, what kind of habits we form, um, how we respond to conflict. Um, and I think that that is a lot more important than like esoteric <laughs> yeah. philosophy conversation. But as I was thinking that through, I think in a way that, that is also answering your question, because I think there is something rather than nothing because, because it's exactly that we have one life, whether it's five years or 101 years, hopefully not five years, <laughs> yeah. um, even 101 years, as I was reflecting and as my family was reflecting on my grandmother's life feels like a a blink, a blink of the eye. Like it feels like not enough. And we get to choose what we do with that life that we have. And that's certainly something. Yeah, no, I, I, I I really appreciate that. And um, I think on philosophy, I've been influenced by uh, philosophers that, that do i mean like one of the famous statements by Karl marx was philosophers have only interpreted the world thus far the point however is to change it so i think a lot of times it's um i think i guess maybe when it comes to philosophy for me it's the both right it's the using of like the brain power maybe to figure out or try to get at some of those esoteric things but um, I think what you're talking about, if you find out what somebody thinks and you find out what they're saying, whether it's in the yoga community or church community or whatever, well, once you've said it, I think we probably might share this is like, okay, you said it and what's the doing? What's now the thing? Yeah. yeah, exactly. There's a, there's an, a quote that when I was first starting on that yoga journey from Iyengar and I probably don't remember it precisely at this moment, but he talks about how humans are caught between earth and sky. So part of us is reconciling, trying to create meaning out of, out of the mundane or meaning out of this 
existence that we have existence that we have and then also like on the ground we're animals and what are we what are we doing with this one one life we're animals we need to like feed ourselves and get all of our needs met and all all those things i I, I, i I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, when when you mentioned those words, one of the one of the things I haven't done it in a while, but one of um, an artistic practice which I found pretty profound and kind of captures some of those elements was Japanese flower arranging, ikebana, mm-hmm. which is based on how you form how you form the 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 flowers that there's an element of of ground, and horizon in the heavens, built within like the structures of how you're presenting things you find out on a hike and maybe sticks and beautiful flowers. And I always thought it was such a, a marvelous, yeah, I mean, you don't have to do it that way, but the tradition is to bring in those elements. So there's a harmony between what you're presenting. And uh, I always thought that was quite beautiful because it was embedded within, you know, the practice itself. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's some nice beauty uh, within that. I, I think a lot of, uh, hearing music and, and, and notes and the layers can have some of those kind of same effects of the different um, layers that, that, that are impacting you. Um, all right. So the something rather than nothing, I really appreciate. I, I, that was a great, you didn't seem too annoyed. That was so wonderful. <laughs> it's funny because one of the things I want to do on the podcast someday is only capture what would be that space between me asking the questions and the sounds that <laughs> that the guests make being like, okay, it's the title of the podcast. You said you're going to ask me. It's still annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. But, um, but I appreciate what you said about about change. Um, and it reminded me of like maybe my, maybe this is my favorite quote when it comes to like philosophy and thinking about spirituality and and it has stayed with me for a long time. It's by Octavia Butler. Oh my gosh. Writer. Yeah. She wrote parable of the sower parable of the talents, which is kind of like a prophetic book in a way. Um, it was like a dystopian futurist novel. One of my favorite books. And in the, in that book, um, the, the main character, she says, all that you touch, you change all that you change changes. You, the only lasting truth is change. God is change. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I, yeah. I love that quote because it reminds me that like, although you touch, you change every day, no matter what you're doing or not doing, you are changing it when you interact it with, with it or with, with, with whom. And all that you change changes you. You're also being changed in yeah. the process and that the only lasting truth is change. We are constantly changing. We are constantly dealing with change for better or worse. And that's, I think a really cool definition of what, what God is, is change, change, change. You can't step in the same river or you can't step in the same river twice. You can't step in the same river once you can't, it's a, it's constant flux. You can't step in, 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 in those same, same rivers. Uh, you Octavia, Octavia Butler fan. I adore Octavia. Butler. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, listeners, I hope you do know about Octavia Butler, but uh, African-American uh, science fiction right, writer of profound mm-hmm. uh, talent. Um, and uh, I think she was recent. I can reasonably say maybe rediscovered amidst the pandemic or within the pandemic about some of her scientific sci-fi speculation and um, uh, incredible themes of uh, identity identity in, in, in being. So, uh, yes, uh, love me some, some Octavia Butler. Um, uh, one of the things I wanted to, uh, I wanted to, to ask you about, um, to ask you about Blair is, uh, what, what has been the, uh, I cover a lot of, um, kind of like Portland music. It just ends up where a lot of listeners in Oregon and in, in Portland, what has it been for you um, to kind of, uh, you know, connect, connect with other artists? I, I know you've played for um, Larissa Birdseye, who's been on the, on, on the podcast, wonderful guest. Mm-hmm. Matt Brewster plays with her has been on, on the podcast. Uh, what's your mm-hmm. experience been like kind of, you know, it was new to you as starting out as far as, you know, connecting to the, say the music scene in Portland. 
Yeah, that's such a good question because the the Portland music scene has has been such a like a sweet, welcoming, nurturing environment for me to grow as an artist and as a person. Um, I started well back in 2018. My friend Austin Farrell, who's a musician in town as well, he asked me if I would open for him, and at the time I I thought that was like an insane idea. Um, but I still said yes. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, well, I had never performed in public before. I had never like used a microphone or plugged in to my guitar, you know? And so he took me to an open mic, um, the Eastburn open mic, um, with Callie, Callie and Brian of Shady Pines radio. Now they run yeah. Shady Pines radio. Um, and they started just by hosting open mics and, that was my first time performing and um, Callie actually took some photos that, that day. So I have pictures of like professional photos of, of the first time I ever performed in public, which is a pretty cool moment in time to capture. And then from there I continued to like go to different open mics at the Waypost, And eventually I found um, this open mic at Mississippi pizza um, called the Atlantis underground um, every Tuesday night through the, the fall and winter seasons through the the sad seasons so we can uh yeah create some some community and warmth during the the gray rainy months um christopher worth and jacob westfall run that um open mic and um i started going there right before the pandemic um and i again went there so nervous because there's a lot of really talented people that that play there and eventually those really talented people all became my friends in my community and I've I've grown so much through those relationships and through the practice of of getting on stage and it really feels like a supportive place in the singer-songwriter community that that people want to lift each other up and not um, tear each other down or com- compete with each other. Um, supportive, supportive art community. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm really yeah. grateful for that for sure. I don't Another... think if I, got, I got the guitar and I lived in LA where I lived in, in another place. I may not have found the, the confidence to, to get up on stage and, and keep going. Yeah, but once you did it, then you did it, and then everything's behind you, right? So yeah, then it's addicting once you. Once yeah, you yeah, performance, <laughs> performance. Uh, mm-hmm. um, what about uh, one other question before I'm going to ask you generally to make sure folks can find out where all your videos, and photos, and where all the music is? But um, I just wanted to ask uh, just right before that, what about um. What about uh, you doing uh, yoga? Is there any connection between that towards, um, you know, creating art? I know for folks, like, even physically, some of the physical stuff as far as, like, breathing. And um, I've read a lot about a lot of singers, and they'll talk about yoga mostly, (laughs) and then a little bit more than that. What what was, how did you, what was your experience uh, with how yoga came in and how how its relation to you doing uh, art? Yeah. Well, if you listen to my first EP, I released a five-song EP in um, May 2021, and that one's called Everything is Light Work. Um, I started working on it right before the pandemic, and we had to kind of pause everything during that time, so it came out a bit later. Um, But if you listen to that EP, you'll hear a lot more yoga themes to it. Um, And so I think at the beginning, it definitely was very distinctly connected the my yoga practice and songwriting and performing definitely on the physical level learning how to breathe properly and learning about the diaphragm has helped me become a better stronger singer singing is a very physical practice and just trying to be mindful of like where is the sound coming from in my body where do I want it to come from? Um, and I think the yoga practice in general helped me to just connect with myself and understand myself and be able to 
express myself. And I think it did help open that kind of that door to songwriting and singing. Yeah. I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear that. I've, I've done yoga myself and it's really helped. I, the biggest thing for me is um, I've noticed that it's helped me control the pace of my breathing and breathing through my nose where the mm-hmm. actual breathing practice practice I was engaged in was creating the anxiety of fast breathing. So it was a chicken or the egg type of thing. Am I breathing mm-hmm. off because I'm anxious or is the breathing <laughs> is I'm anxious that that creates the breathing. And I, I know yoga has been a, a big help uh, for me with that and breathing techniques. All right, Blair, where does everybody go uh, to find, you know, best find your music? I know you're um, Bandcamp and like your visuals on Instagram. I know you're very interested in uh, display a lot of beautiful t- photography of which some of you're you're the subject of. So tell people like what the where to where to find find you. Yeah, if you Google my name Blair Borax, you'll find me in all sorts of places. Um, <laughs> you can find me. You can find my music on Spotify, Apple Music. Um, Bandcamp, wherever you listen, title, wherever you listen to your music. Um, you can follow me on Instagram or more recently TikTok. I'm trying to get on the TikTok thing. <laughs> uh, both of those handles are Blair Art Thou. And that's where I keep updated about upcoming shows and music releases and just kind of more personally what's, what's happening in my life. Um, it's where I keep in contact with, with friends and fans. And I, I do enjoy the, the sharing on Instagram and yeah, you can also find my upcoming calendar on my website, blairborax.com as well as bands in town. And I've got an online merch shop. You can purchase CDs and vinyl records and merch. Um, if you want to. <laughs> yeah. No, that's wonderful. Thanks for letting us know. I one thing I wanted to mention you, I like the um I like Blair and Thou. One of my favorite uh philosophy works is by the Jewish philosopher Martin Buber, and he wrote mm-hmm. uh, I and Thou. And uh mm-hmm. not a well known work nowadays. I think it was much more popular during the heyday of t- mid twentieth century existentialism, but a really beautiful book about our relationship as humans between people and be things and and things and the idea that what we want to establish is an I and thou relationship as opposed to the relationships that that we have. So when I see your Instagram, I I think of I and thou and and Blair and thou. So just my philosopher brain, I figure I'd convey that to you. I came up up with that in high school somehow and it, it, it stood the test of time. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And, uh, yeah, folks, uh, Martin Buber is a great, uh, Jewish ex seen as an existentialist, uh, philosopher of last century. And, um, the book I and thou about relationships, how we relate to folks. Um, so Blair Borax, um, I, I gotta tell you, um, as you, as you know, I, uh, I tend to be an enthusiast and, and, and love the, the art and the artists that, that I bring on. And, um, you know, you, I find your music very impactful. I very much looking forward to, um, to, to seeing you live and, and, and hear the, the new music, um, you got coming out. So, um, thanks for spending the time and actually thanks for playing. It's really special kind of a uh, thing, uh, for the show and for the listeners to, you know, to hear what you're playing right from you and hear, what you're thinking about uh, in, you know, your kind of uh, your story. So I wanted to thank you deeply, Blair, uh, for coming on to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Ken. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and one more thing, Blair, um, we're going to have a track at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you want to tell folks uh, a little bit about that track? Yeah. This song is called delight me. I mentioned it a little bit before it's about moving forward, trying to find love, kind of a little bit of what I want and a lot of bit of what I don't want a process of elimination. Um, but it's a, it's a joyful cutesy tune and, uh, I hope you enjoy it. It'll be out on all platforms on December 
2022. That's wonderful. Here's for joyful, cutesy tunes. Blair <laughs> <laughs> yes. Borax, thank you so much. It's a great pleasure to meet you and, uh, and, 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 and to enjoy your art. Thank you, Ken. I appreciate it. rather than nothing.